Hi everyone, and welcome to the Roadmap from Auto Finance News. I am JJ Hornblass, and pleased to welcome you to our episode here where we cover what's happening in automotive lending and leasing in the nation. This is our weekly wrap for what's happening in the space. For April 26, 2021, I'm pleased to be joined by Joey Pizzolatto and Amanda Harris of the Auto Finance News team. Welcome to both of you. First, to some general economic news. Data on Thursday, this coming Thursday, is expected to show that U.S. growth accelerated in the first quarter as coronavirus-related restrictions eased and vaccination coverage increased. In the coming, in the coming weeks or months, this is according to the Wall Street Journal, uh, Federal Reserve officials are expected to talk about how the central bank will begin to scale back support for the economy. GDU Auto plans to invest almost $8 billion into smart car manufacturing over the next five years. The electric vehicle venture is backed by technology company Baidu and Chinese car company Geely. Baidu is also a Chinese company. Japanese electronics maker Panasonic is pushing further into software as it agreed last week to pay $7.1 billion for software provider Blue Yonder Holding Incorporated. Uh, Blue Yonder offers digital tools for supply chain management. To auto finance news, First, uh, a report came out from Vroom uh, highlighting EV financing trends and some interesting insights on how financing for EVs is different from general financing trends. Uh, let's talk about the background first on what are some of the broad conclusions that Vroom came to. Sure, so I'll jump in on that one. Um, so essentially, you know, Vroom's platform has a couple of different electric vehicle manufacturers on there, Tesla being a big one. Um, so they list, you know, fairly you know, newer EVs, a couple years old, that kind of thing. Um, and they do have a couple of financing partners. So that's just a little bit of background on kind of having them as an example of what EV financing kind of looks like because it hasn't really been determined industry-wide. But this is a good kind of example. And some of the takeaways were um, that right now, at least, the type of consumer that goes and buys an electric vehicle is typically a prime or super prime consumer. So the financing follows what you would kind of see tailored to those consumers. So we're seeing, um, you know, rates that would, that would kind of mimic what we would see in a prime, super prime space. Um, the difference is they, they do typically carry a slightly shorter loan term, uh, 61 to 62 months compared to like the average 66 month term that we see with traditional vehicles. Um, and that's mainly, you know, they are in that prime, super prime, and just kind of one of the things that we're seeing with, with EVs, what's being offered. Um, and they are usually a higher price point as well. Um, so we're talking about more being financed 
uh, for those vehicles just because they are pricier. Um, and again, that of course would also be tailored to people who can afford those cars and, and want that higher end kind of vehicle. Because right now it is kind of still a luxury item. It's not really mainstream yet. Uh, so it does kind of fall into that luxury prime kind of um, market. So that's kind of the gist of what we're seeing so far. Does, does the, do the numbers imply that this sort of broad OEM move towards EVs might face market, um, uh, market resistance because, of, because EVs are generally, based on this data, uh, falling into the luxury category? I'm not sure what you mean by market resistance. Well, are they going to be able to sell the EVs at a mass level if right now they're complete, they're, they're essentially uh, earmarked or consumed by the luxury sector? Gotcha. So part of the thinking is as more models become available, so as these do become more mainstream, we have some models come out that may not be as expensive as the ones we're seeing now, you know, the infrastructure is put in place, they might become more affordable and more accessible um, to other areas of consumers. It's just right now because there's really only a few players in the space and there's really only a limited amount of you know, models out there um, and the infrastructure is not there to like really get this across the whole country yet. Um, so it's really in subsets of certain parts of the country where prices are higher anyway, you know, California, things like that. And then um, a subset of consumers as well. But there is a thought that as more and more OEMs jump on this and kind of make, make this more of what their focus is, um, and especially as they move away from gas power vehicles, and make EVs their only focus, which we know at least some have, have said that that's what they want to do, GM being one of them, uh, then there's a thought that these will become more accessible down the line. Um, and that might change a little bit how the financing looks if it becomes a little bit more like what we see in the traditional, where you see more of a range. Um, it's just kind of yet to be determined right now since it's, it's we're still talking a few years out. You know, just to jump in there, um, you know, I think everything at the end of the day is going to kind of come down to the battery, right? We've seen a lot of, OE every OEM is kind of um, experimenting and, you know, investing in different batteries, uh, different battery battery manufacturers for that matter. Um, and, and, you know, we know that that is one of the priciest part of, you know, an electric vehicle is that battery. So if they can bring the cost down on what it, on the capital that is required to produce the vehicles, then we should be able to see some um, decreases in that overall price of the vehicle. So I, I guess, I, I guess, kind of circling back to the Vroom data, I mean, is is there really anything that we can conclude from the Vroom data about the financing or the eventual, even the eventual financing about EVs, if Kind of what you're both implying is that, that is that so much of the EV future is to be determined. Well, I think that's absolutely yeah. fair, right? I think you know right now this is this is kind of just like kind of a, a signpost. Um, um, to your point, as it as it they become more um, pronounced um, in terms of just overall vehicles on the road, um, I do think we will see a, a more of an evolution of 
you know, what the financing of these vehicles looks like. I mean, you, you just look at Ford. Um, they have that special hybrid financing program for their Mach-E, um, which we don't, we don't have a whole lot of data on as of yet. We should probably try and get some. Uh, but, um, you know, that, that in and of itself is a, is a financing program that's specific to EVs. So I would imagine other OEMs, too, as they kind of figure out the nuts and bolts of this, um, might also have their captives develop a similar kind of program that, that is more in line with the specific needs of electric vehicles as it relates to, you know, how they differ from internal combustion. Right. Okay. Um, we're also kind of at the tail end of earnings season for 1Q. Uh, there's still uh, Tesla, which will report this afternoon, uh, but otherwise, you know, many of the uh, financial institutions or institutions that relate to the auto finance space uh, have reported uh, already. What are some of the key takeaways that we could um, that we could uh, draw from from this quarter's earnings? Sure, I can jump in on this one. Um, so what we're beginning to see, and, and yeah, you're absolutely right. Most of the most of the banks have reported. Um, I think we're still waiting on like GM Financial, Santander, Room. I think those come or not Room. I'm sorry, um, Ford Credit. Uh, I think those come this week. Um, but you know, initially what we're seeing is kind of, um, for the most part, with with few exceptions, you know, autos back kind of in growth mode. Um, you know, we've seen Citizens Bank. Um, you know, they artificially last year. Um, according to their CEO, kept their auto book kind of at even, um, you know, they would originate just enough to kind of handle any loans that are amortizing off their book. Um, and now kind of looking ahead, they're, they're ready to kind of get back in the saddle, if you will, and, and kind of, um, you know, ride, ride this, this recovery. Um, we were seeing that, I believe, at, uh, I want to say, fifth, fifth third as well, where, um, you know, they've had three straight quarters of auto propping up their consumer loan book. And, you know, we talked about this a little bit last week, but Ally, um, Chase Auto, they, they saw, you know, originations upwards of 10, 10 billion um, in, the, in the first quarter, uh, which usually, you know, we, we don't see that. So I think we're, we're still ha having like these, this pent up demand that's, that's driving origination growth. And I think we'll probably continue to see that um, through the year, I would imagine. Would you expect to see uh, towards the end, towards the you know, starting, I guess, in, in the middle of the year, I get the, you know, sort of the next model year you know, or right after the summer, would you expect to see um, a push on the part of auto finance uh, companies to uh, invest in expanding their market share? hard to tell um i mean if if if, if we're going to look at this past quarter as any indication then then i would imagine you know as long as is there's kind of pent-up demand um and and we see some like loosening of underwriting standards which we kind of saw hints of that as well um citizens made a note um in their earnings call that they had loosened what they had i guess wound up a little bit tighter through the course of last year i would imagine that yes, we, we would see a little bit more aggressiveness from uh, some of these lenders as rates stay low, right? They can, they can offer more competitive rates um, with, without the fear that, you know, 
we're, we're in a deteriorating economic condition because, you know, as you said, you know, all signs point to the fact that we are kind of seeing recovery in, in many forms, consumer spending, um, jobless claims, vac number of vaccines. I get my second one on Thursday. So, you know, I, I think, I think, I think, you know, the rest of the year is, I would be optimistic about it. I don't know if Amanda, if you have a different thought. No, from, from everything I've heard um, that this is gonna last a little while. Um, so I think at least the rest of this year, um, at least toward the end of the year, this isn't gonna really change. Um, that demand isn't gonna go anywhere because manufacturing still is behind. So there, it's unlikely that all the problems that we're seeing in the supply chain are just gonna magically disappear overnight. So it's gonna take a little while for that to come back. So that's gonna lead into this demand being up and then new and used supply still going to be tight um, going into the rest of this year really and probably into the next you know model season because they're still trying to catch up with the last one. Um, so and then the chip shortage is obviously still happening. Um, so all of that, all the factors that have kind of driven this up really aren't going to go anywhere, which a lot of this will be talked about in our next upcoming feature in the magazine. So read that when it comes out. But um, yeah, so there's a lot of factors that are still going to be, that aren't going to go away anytime soon. So. Yeah, I, I think that there's the, I think we talk a lot about consumer pent up demand in, in our sector. Um, I think that there's likely to be lender pent up demand. And what I mean by that is I was looking uh, last week, uh, the Fed released uh, outstanding numbers for the sector. And uh, the fact of the matter is, is that in 2020, outstandings in the uh, auto sector, the auto finance sector grew 3.3% uh, to approximately 1.2 trillion. So you have, uh, you know, during much of the year, my guess is, is if you if you uh, cornered an auto finance executive, they said this was going to be a bad year in 2020. And it ended up not necessarily being so from an outstandings perspective. And now you've got all these the credit loss provisions coming down, um, uh, which we're seeing in the we've seen in the first uh, quarter as well. So what are they doing with the capital? They need to make a return off that capital. And, um, and frankly, uh, it, it's a potential recipe for a bubble in, 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 in the sector. You know, you're going to be, you have the potential of putting people into cars that maybe are beyond their affordability um, and creating um, a, a dynamic whereby uh, credit losses might, uh, you know, start to bubble up in 2022, 2023, uh, maybe even 2024. So um, I, I kind of wonder about the pent up demand on the part of lenders, uh, not just on the part of consumers. I think that's a great point. Um, and, you know, just looking at kind of, you know, net charge offs um, from some of these banks, they are ticking up, but they're still well below kind of what we would consider even just like year over year levels, right? Q1 20 was sort of the last normal quarter we had. And, you know, even the last two weeks of that quarter weren't normal. Um, but that's beside the point. Um, but I, I think, 
I think it would kind of be good for the industry maybe if they didn't try and grow so quickly. I, I understand that they have to get return on that capital that they have just sitting around, especially if they're cutting their provisions. Um, but, but we do need to see where credit loss is kind of quote unquote normalized before, um, you know, we're really super aggressive as an industry, I think, um, to your point again about kind of a potential, you know, bubble, if you will. I hate saying the word bubble, it's scary. It is scary. All right, well, we shall see. Um, what else are we planning to uh, explore this week in the market? Well, this week, like I said, we have Santander earnings coming out. I believe Ford Credit is coming out, so we'll be looking at that. Um, and then we've got a couple other things in the works um, that, that are still a secret, but um, you can count on earnings from us for sure. Great. All right. Um, thank you, uh, Joey and Amanda, uh, for spending time with me. And thank you all for joining us for this episode of The Roadmap. Uh, we appreciate you, you tuning in. Uh, please uh, rate us on your podcast platform of choice, as well as follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn, and certainly visit us at autofinancenews.net. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time.